From finance and commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. Above all, it's a show about what's next, creativity, and the innovation and technology that are changing how we work and shaping the future of business throughout our state. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers who may challenge the status quo, but also make their dreams a reality. I'm Joel Shetler, your host and editor of Finance and Commerce, Minnesota's oldest business newspaper and online publication. Thanks so much for joining me. I would also like to thank our podcast sponsor, Guarantee Commercial Title. Guarantee offers a new platform for the delivery of services based on the expertise and ingenuity of a visionary team of title professionals that identifies obstacles and creates solutions that result in a successful sale, construction, or financing of commercial real estate. To learn more, visit GuaranteeTitle.net. Dwayne Carter has been with the Northwest Area Foundation since 2016, and in his second year as chair of the Nonprofits Investment Committee, he manages the investing capital for the Foundation's endowment. The Northwest Area Foundation, based in St. Paul, supports efforts by people, organizations, and communities to reduce poverty and achieve sustainable prosperity. Its region includes Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and 76 Native American nations. The nonprofit primarily directs resources and support to Native Americans, communities of color, immigrants and refugees, and rural communities. Before joining the foundation, Carter worked at the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis, most recently serving as senior vice president before retiring. Carter earned a Doctor of Education degree in organizational development, as well as Master of Business Administration from the University of St. Thomas. He also holds a bachelor's degree in agriculture business from the University of Minnesota. In this interview with reporter Kelly Bush, Carter speaks about his role and his plans to continue supporting the foundation's priority communities, and about how the foundation, in the midst of pandemic and racial reckoning, is also allocating more funding to help communities in need. Dwayne, thanks for taking some time to chat with me today. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to the conversation. So am I. Uh, this will really be fun. I think a good place to start for our conversation is by chatting a little bit about your background. So can you give me an overview of your career background? Sure. Uh, thank you, Kelly. Uh, first, thank you for allowing me to be a part of this uh, podcast. I'm really looking forward to it. I actually spent most of my career in financial services. Started as a teller and then worked my way up to a branch manager and on to the Federal Reserve Bank. And I worked in business development. Uh, selling our products and services in North Dakota, Northern Minnesota, and then eventually all the large banks in the Ninth District. Um, as, a, as a Federal Reserve Bank employee, um, I continued to advance. I advanced to an assistant vice president, started running our cash operations, our treasury for bills, bonds, and notes. Later on, I was promoted to a senior vice president in my early 40s, and I um, was really excited about that and, and responsibly for our law enforcement, our facilities, um, as well as uh, HR at one point as well. I also had responsibility for all of our operations towards the latter part of my career, including the learning management support office for the entire Federal Reserve System. That's all 20, uh, 23,000 employees in terms of the learning management and training that we were able to uh, provide. In addition to that, uh, my last three years uh, at the Federal Reserve Bank, I was focused on the um, a construction project as part of my facilities responsibility. 
and we were working on a heritage landing um, development site to build a parking ramp based on the challenges with parking in the downtown area, mm -hmm. uh, which um, after about three years and going to the committee of the whole, we ended up not uh, being approved in a 5-4 vote. And after that, you know, the, looking at my career and what else was left, um, given uh, where I was at, it was time for me to do something else. The reason I say that is that in the 80s, I worked out, I got my undergrad. In the 90s, I got my master's. And in 2000, I got my doctorate after being a senior vice president for about five years, I wanted more challenge. So at this point in my life, I decided uh, it was time for me to do something else. And one thing I do want to mention about that last project, because it's kind of interesting, mm -hmm. now we're about a year and a half out uh, since that decision. Um, what a different place. I can keep thinking about the amount of money we were going to spend developing that, that land and building that parking ramp uh, as it relates to parking, given what we're seeing today. Um, maybe in some ways, uh, losing is winning. Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. So you said you're about a year and a half out from that decision. Is that what I heard? Yes. Okay. yes. Really exciting. Had a chance to work with the city council, a lot with the mayor um, and the community. A lot of the business owners were in support of it. So were the uh, residents. Uh, and of course, like anything else, there are some people that were not as supportive. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was a great experience. I learned a lot. And uh, I'm glad to be a part of that, that kind of process. It continues to add, uh, what I'll say, experiences and tools to your toolkit. Yeah, great. Well, so when did you join the foundation? I joined the foundation actually in 2016. So I've been a part of it for um, a few years and it's really a wonderful foundation. I'm not sure if you're aware of um, uh, how it started. It was started by Lewis, uh, Lewis Hill. And Lewis Hill actually is the son of James J. Hill. He is the founder of the uh, Great Northern Railway. Railway. And as part of that, um, and his son, of course, he was interested in, in railroads, he was interested in mining, which is really interesting, he was also interested, interested in banking. And he looked in 1934 and what was going on in that region and wanted to do something as it related to ec economic revitalization. In addition to that, he looked at the, the citizens in that area, in that region, and wanted to, to see what he could do to improve the standard of living uh, for the most vulnerable people in those communities and he started the Northwest Area Foundation. What's really interesting about it, he started it with about $10,000. Today, our foundation and our uh, endowment is, wealth, is worth more than 400 million. What it really goes to show is that basically in over 80 years, if you invest, and remember, we've been, we've been giving grants, doing mission investments the entire time, and today that, that particular endowment is over $400 million. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, let's talk a little bit about the impact that the Northwest Area Foundation has. You know, from your standpoint, what is the most meaningful impact that it has? You know, there's so many things to talk about in terms of yeah. its impact, but I'm gonna talk a little bit about our priority communities. Our priority communities are Native American, communities of color, refugees, immigrants, and people in rural areas. Mm -hmm. That's where we focus where we're trying to lift up their standard of living, where we're trying to weigh in, not only with our, our financial capital, our intellectual capital and our political capital, we're trying to open access. That's one of our priorities. We're also looking at expanding work opportunities, financial inclusion and supporting enterprise development. Those are our organizations that are providing opportunities in our, regional, in our region. I do want to mention our region because I didn't mention that early on. So when you think about the, the region, it includes Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Idaho, Oregon, Washington, and Iowa. And, and included in that are 76 uh, native nation, uh, nations that are within that geography. 
It's pretty incredible. And when we think about our investments, for the last 10 years, we have actually, in terms of our grant, grants, over 40% of our grant dollars go to native-led organizations. We're really excited about it. At the end of the day, we support change makers who are rebuilding, reimagining re our communities and trying to create opportunities for all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. So to dive into that a little more. So now you're chair of the investment committee, right? So I'm curious what you hope to bring to that role and how your background prepared you for that role. Yes. Um, if you look at my entire career, I've always been on the side of, of what I say, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm -hmm. If you look at the work that I've done at the Federal Reserve Bank, uh, as it relates to um, standing up the first office of minority and women inclusion, if I look, you look at in terms of the hires and the things that I've pushed for, and a lot of it's based on, a gro based on growing up in Duluth, um, it's been in that space. And so when you look at these areas, when you look at refugees, when you look at immigrants, when you look at people of color, when you look at Native Americans, in terms of how they've had to struggle for quite some time, if we can somehow use our resources to lean in and to make a difference, and allow them to thrive and survive on their own terms. And that's the beauty of it. Not on my terms, not on your terms, but on their own terms. We're providing the resources to allow that to happen. We do it through our CDFI, so Community Devo Development Financial Institutions. Mm -hmm. We're doing that in terms of what kind of technical assistance that we can provide. So what we wanna do as it relates to investments, the only way that we can do that is we have to continue to, I'll say, earn, in our investments more than we pay out each year. And one thing is that we pay out over $20 million every year. Even with this social and racial reckoning that we're seeing in, in the country and what we experienced in 2020, instead of like pulling back, we put our foot on the accelerator. Mm -hmm. Basically, we decided to, to add $2 million more in our grant making to, those, to, those, um, to those, our priority communities in their hour of need. We're doing that again uh, in 2021. Our goal is, is to continue to push forward. This is the time that we must be bold. But if, you're, if I'm gonna serve in this role, and if Northwest Area Foundation is going to be that voice for what I'm gonna call um, equitable communities, equi equitable opportunities, then we've got to do something with our investments. And so what we've done, we've been very clear with our investment managers. We've been very clear with the, our advisors. And we've been very clear with investment firms. We believe the people that, in, that manage our money should reflect the communities that we serve. And we've done a lot of work in that area and we're gonna even do more. So what we try to do is that we look at our mission investment, we look at our grants, we try to find out where we can lean in and where we can make a difference. We're starting to get some traction, but we need a lot of help. And when I say, yes, we're a mid-sized mid foundation. There are larger foundations. There are pension funds that people are managing. We've all got to weigh in to make a difference. And I believe we can. And we've seen it in our mission investment. We've seen it take traction. And really, by asking the questions, by talking about it, I think we can get um, people to move. We can get these investment firms to move. We can make sure that the leadership reflects our community, minorities and women. And that's something that we want to do. But there's an important part of this that I don't want to leave out. Recognizing that we have an endowment that we have to continue to grow into perpetuity. So what that means is that we've got to continue 
to, I'll say, earn more than we spend. And I can tell you our experience thus far, there's been no, um, I'll say, no change or uh, loss in being more intentional in our investments. There's been no change in applying a DEI lens to how we invest that endowment. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did want to ask about, you know, current ongoings in Minnesota and nationwide and if that has changed how your investment community approaches, you know, what communities to give grants to or who you're going to direct resources to. And it, it sounds like it has. It, it has, yes. You know, our priority communities uh, are still are solid, but in terms of how aggressively we're trying to push, I can say it's changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. When you think about the role, we all must do something bigger than ourselves. This time and where we are as a country, it's called for bold leadership. It's called, we have to somehow find ways to push the envelope. Mm -hmm. And we look at it from this perspective. If not us, then who? Mm -hmm. Well, that being said, how do you as chair of the investment committee plan to be a bold leader? How I plan as a chair of the investment committee is that I believe in bringing the best and brightest into the conversation. We don't have all the right answers. We recognize it takes a lot more time to find, I'll say, emerging uh, investment managers. Mm-hmm. We recognize it takes more time to, re- to do research in terms of where we're going to invest. We recognize that through debate and discourse uh, across the entire spectrum of, of organizations that, that are investments, you know, not just foundations, but this includes uh, uh, business organizations. We want the best and brightest to bring ideas and ways of thinking about this and new protocols and procedures and how we can continue to advance this mission because this is important. And if we don't continue to encourage others to get involved and share their wisdom and their thoughts, it's gonna be really hard for us to have that V-shaped recovery that uh, uh, folks talk about. I do believe there will be a V-shaped recovery. I think 2021 is gonna be a, a good year and a strong year. I think the challenges lie ahead. I am worried as, it look, as I think about 2022. Mm-hmm. I think about all of the things that we've done in 2020, what we're gonna do in 2021. I think about the, the deficit. I think a lot about in terms of what the Federal Reserve Bank has done with its tools. We don't have as many tools in our, in our toolkit. But the one thing we can do is kind of find ways to lift up our community, communities, our priority communities, immigrants, refugees, how we lift up people of color, Native American communities, people in rural areas. Mm-hmm. We've got to find ways to do even more. Great, let's talk about those immediate years here. So 2021 this year and 2022, what are your short-term goals for those years? Short-term goals, the first thing is we've decided, we've, we've, we've targeted how much of our um, investments, I'll say that we should be with minority and women-owned uh, firms, or at least led by women and minority firms. And we've put that as a target. And that is a goal. We recognize it's, it's going to be difficult to meet, but it's no different than what we're seeing from other organizations, whether you're looking at Target or whether you're looking at General Mills or the work that's currently being done by Netflix in terms of moving a hundred million into black owned banks. Mm-hmm. We recognize that we have to set up ambitious goals. And not only do we hold ourselves accountable, hold staff accountable, but we have to hold our advisors accountable our funds management's accountable, and hold our investment firms accountable. We all have to be pulling and pushing in the same area, same direction. What, what are some of the challenges that lie ahead in these immediate years as well? I'm curious what, that, what the flip side of that looks like. 
from my perspective, I think there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of volatility. And I'll just share a couple of things that tells, tells us a lot. I would say the fundamentals of the economy, there's something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And how we go about addressing it, I think we'll find out over the next uh, couple of years. But let's first talk about what we saw with zombie companies. Let's talk about what we recently saw um, as it relates to um, uh, a company that uh, I'll say, um, some people say novice investors were able to increase the value in a way that was, wasn't, didn't agree with the fundamentals that people were following. And now we've seen that it's come back down. So what we're seeing here is that there's gonna be more issues like that. I already talked about in terms of what the Federal Reserve Bank has available in its toolkit. We're already seeing and pushing some of the limits as it relates to, I'll say the federal government in terms of our stimulus, you know, in terms of what's, what's remaining and how we'll deal with that deficit. I think we're also seeing in terms of looking at investments, looking at all time highs in terms of the fundamentals and where some of the organizations are. And if I just talk about the energy sector and what we're seeing there, there are serious concerns. So what we have to do is we have to find a way to continue to invest, but at the same time, keep that risk that we're seeing on the horizon. Um, how, do we do, how do we deal with that, that it doesn't affect us in a way uh, that dramatically changes the way that we're uh, granting and for, um, providing program-related investments? So we got to continue to make decisions. Um, if you were to compare us to some of the other foundations, I'd say we probably take on a little less risk. And I think that will continue to be very important into the future. Great. Great. Well, let's shift to long-term goals. I'm curious, you know, at the end of the day, when you're done with this role and you take a step back, what do you want your, um, your, I guess, your, your story to have been with the foundation? What I want the story to, be, uh, to have been with the foundation and, mm-hmm. and really less about me, mm-hmm. but more about what we, we've accomplished and what I hope to see is maybe when we look at our priority communities, uh, that we were able to make a difference. We were able to provide money when it really matters. It doesn't matter if we're, we're, um, we have grants and program-related investments during a time when there's not a great need. Mm-hmm. I've never seen the, the need being as great as it is today. And it's really helping people, really hurting people on Main Street. Mm -hmm. It's really helping people in those rural communities. We've seen the impacts of the immigrants and refugees and and businesses that are barely hanging on. So I hope over the long term that we see there have been jobs created in Northern Minnesota, where I'm from, that we see jobs created in North Dakota, along the entire region that we serve, that we do see businesses that continue to grow through our CDFIs in Native, Native American communities. I hope we look back on at that time period and we've seen tremendous growth, but also a path going forward that we really have moved people out of poverty to what we're gonna call achieving sustainable prosperity. Mm-hmm. And I think we can do that. And I think we can set the course. And I believe we can change the way our endowment and other foundations and pension funds invest their resources. Because collectively, I think it lifts up all communities. I think it lifts up communities of color. I think it lifts up Native American communities. So less about me and what role that, that I've played, 
but I hope it's the structure that we were able to put in place that continues to have that sustainable growth and prosperity. Great. Well, Dwayne, I think that was everything I wanted to ask you about. So was there anything else you wanted to add in here or emphasize? The, the thing I, I'd want to emphasize is that make it, I think I've said it a little differently. I'm going to say it slightly, uh, say it again. Mm -hmm. We support change makers mm -hmm. who are responding, re-imaging, rebranding, re I say rebranding, re rebuilding mm -hmm. these equitable economies mm -hmm. in, the, in these areas, our priority communities. And I'm glad to be a part of it. And I've had a, I've been fortunate to have a great career in financial service services and a great education and great experiences. And I'm confident there'll be a, a lot more. And I hope at the end of my uh, tenure as the investment chair at Northwest Area Foundation, I hope that you actually reach out to me, Kelly, and ask me how it went. And you hold me accountable for the things that I've, kind of, I've committed to you. Because I'm telling you today, my experience has been that things that I've committed to, I've delivered. And I plan to do the same thing as part of Northwest Area Foundation which is a wonderful organization. Great, fantastic. Well, I'll contact you at the end of your term. <laughs> That's the deal. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm gonna hold you to it. Okay, deal. And I'll hold you to, to your, uh, your goals as well. So, well, thanks for your time, Dwayne. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Kelly. You have a wonderful weekend. Yeah, yeah, you as well. Enjoy your Friday. Thank you. <laughs> Bye now. Thank you for listening. And please subscribe to Beyond the Skyline. We can be found wherever you listen to your podcasts. To learn more about finance and commerce or to subscribe, go to our website, www.finance-commerce.com. I'm Joel Shetler, Editor of Finance and Commerce. Thank you again for listening to Beyond the Skyline.